0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Monday, November 16th. We begin with a look at the current situation in our province surrounding the battle against COVID-19. We speak with a professor of sociology from the University of Calgary on whether restrictions based on personal responsibility go far enough or if government-mandated restrictions are required. Have you been drinking
1: more during the pandemic? According to stats, consumption in Canada has been up over the past several months. We'll speak with Dr. Ted Jablonski about the health implications of excessive drinking.
0: Next, we meet a man who's living with both alopecia and anxiety and looking to raise awareness and money during Movember. We hear the personal story of Jamie Cochran. And
1: finally, we'll meet a Calgary teacher who is using art to connect with her students during the pandemic. We speak with Kathy McClear about her ongoing lockdown art project. 7.09.
0: And so far, people have failed at social responsibility when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. So says Associate Professor of Sociology at the University of Calgary, Michael Adorjan. Good morning, Michael. You join us now. Thanks for being here with us.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so, you know, it seems very clear at this point that a lot of people are simply not accepting the suggestions and the rules for mask wearing and for staying at home. So if social responsibility fails, what do we do about it?
2: Yeah, that's really the, the crucial question at this point. And we haven't seen that cases quite as high as we've, we have before in, in the first wave, as we know. I mean, personal responsibility is a crucial part of our response. Uh, my view is that it's necessary but insufficient. Um, I, you know, I think that uh, I have utmost sympathy for, for any government, provincial governments, uh, to balance the, the needs of the economy versus the response to the virus. But uh, these things really don't need to be placed in the opposition the problem with with uh, too much emphasis on personal responsibility is that um, it absolves government of a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. for one thing, um, which is with, which is a problem. And it also assumes that it can be applied equally uh, to everyone, and not everyone is is uh, is able to take up the the uh, you know the expectations of working at home. There's uh, huge issues with the digital divide and. Uh, socioeconomic economic inequalities that that make it easier for some, let's just say, than others to abide by uh, the directive. Well, just just uh, you know, be responsible. Um, I think a major a challenge uh, is that there, it, you know, this pandemic has really challenged uh, a fundamental drive we have for social connection. Uh, you know, we seek to to avoid pain and and maximize uh, pleasure where we can, and and uh, through that we've been estranged from. Our families from the pandemic and COVID, of course, has greatly exacerbated all of these things. And so, um, I think over time it becomes harder and harder for for people to abide by that. And our, you know, I don't, I don't know if you remember or seeing that movie Interstellar, but I remember a line there where there's this line about our our uh, our horizon of empathy is very narrow, and we tend to think of ourselves, our personal safety, our mm-hmm. families, our our immediate friends, but uh this 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 uh pandemic really requires us to go beyond um thinking about ourselves uh, uh you know as as individuals you know my uh, wearing a mask is is partly about my safety certainly but it's a signal to others uh you know that i respect my you know people around me so we definitely need messaging messaging from the government and media that is consistent about why personal responsibility is important um, but also, we need to have, uh, I think, especially given our our current situation, um, you know, some some more leadership uh, from provincial and, and federal uh, governments.
1: By leadership, you mentioned the government has to underscore the importance. Are you indicating uh, by leadership increased restrictions, like mandatory?
2: In my personal view, given the current situation, mandatory restrictions uh, are 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 definitely important. I mean, I do have a couple of of of, uh, ideas myself, but uh, I certainly think we need to avoid politicizing health decisions. And I think that the challenge of governmental intervention and, and, you know, I do also have sympathies from the government about their perception from the public about being a quote unquote nanny state if they intervene and and, uh, government overreach and uh, all those things are are important considerations, uh, of course. Um, but we definitely need to reinstill, as many of my uh, University of Calgary colleagues have already said, said to media before, we need to reinstill confidence in the economy. Uh, and the way to do that right now, um, saving lives should be the priority. And, and, and certainly uh, um, uh, a circuit breaker approach is what, I've, what the discourse is right now these days uh, might, might be the best, um, best way forward in the, in the immediate future.
0: Michael, does it seem like, you know, nobody wants to be the bad guy here? So it's more of a, you know, come on, everybody, just, you know, do your part and stop being jerks. And, you know, we need more than that. We need our leaders to step it up and, and be quite specific about what needs to be done here.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that the the idea right now of, of uh, the Premier mentioning that there are uh, you know, it's this sort of a threat of, of restrictions down the line. I think we need restrictions immediately. We also need to keep the social context of the province in mind. I mean, this is a this is a province that's been uh, has its economy ravaged in the past, and governments, uh you know, the government is, is, you know, is is reticent to intervene uh, because sure. of the requirements of of these things. Like, if there is a lockdown, you know, my personal preference would be for something uh, exceeding four weeks, perhaps. But a two-tiered approach, one would, one which would uh, be reassessed maybe after three weeks to see which businesses uh, could possibly be reopened. I think that would, would serve, um, in particular, the province well. Um, and, but in, in my view, there's other things that can be done at the same time. For example, a provincial sales tax, um, uh, cu- coupling that shutdown, uh, something modest compared to other provinces. Um, you know with the vast majority of the of the revenue of that provincial sales tax put to supporting businesses and mental health efforts uh, and then that could continue post pandemic as well i mean these are the sort of things that can be can be configured in the context of our province in particular mm-hmm.
1: Michael, we've been what a handful of days of record-setting or near record-setting new cases in the province. We know where we are we're at right now with this under the uh, you know personal responsibility approach. I'm wondering, as a sociologist and, and from uh, your viewpoint, uh, we know now that you know people aren't adhering. Is this something that you know surprises you in the least? If we were to talk about this as a Kind of a hypothetical situation months ago, or even a couple of years ago, saying well, what would happen if you gave people the choice to take this on themselves?
2: Uh, well, it's not surprising to me, um, but we—it's important again to underscore why. I mean, you know, when you look into the the challenge of of truly keeping you know in your home or isolating, and some some are in that situation, of course, without uh, uh, without a choice. Um, you know, but but certainly it's it's uh, it's a, it's really a fundamental question of human nature, isn't it? I mean, are we uh, are we capable of doing this, and what is that drive that we have to um you know to you know fulfill our our need for pleasure and and social connection being one of those? Uh, we need to have a societal response that mediates that that channels that um and and you know and this is the challenge and and quite frankly, I don't know what the answer is really, but to, to look beyond the self and to see. To see the public in the personal really is, is, is the challenge here.
0: It's so true. And, you know, you said it right off the top, you know, if people just aren't buying into it. And, and those who say, well, I don't know anybody, so why should I worry about it? It doesn't matter to me. Well, yeah, that is the point of it, isn't it? Is we've got to move beyond, you know, just because I personally don't know somebody doesn't, you know, exonerate you from from following some of these rules to try and help the entire province in this case.
2: Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, I, I seem to recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the early polls about whether or not we should be wearing masks uh, as a mandatory uh, provision in, indoors was pretty split. I mean, there was there, mm-hmm. were, just, there were people vacillating and, and talking and making good points on either side of the equation. Once that was implemented, um, I mean, I just see quite a number of people wearing masks wherever I go in, in, in an establishment. There's always exceptions, of course. Um, and there will always be exceptions. This isn't about having a policy from on high that directs our behavior in some sort of, uh, you know, draconian manner or anything. It's, it's about uh, steering behavior so that the, the vast majority of us are on board. Uh, it is possible vaccines coming down the road, but we're, we're certainly not there yet. and We've got months before that occurs. Um, and and we really need to uh, to safeguard ourselves now um, and, and safeguard our economy and our lives.
1: Michael, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thanks very
2: much. Appreciate that.
1: We appreciate it. Michael Odorjan is associate professor in the sociology department at the University of Calgary. 720 on the morning news. It's been one of the most consistent trends during the pandemic, an increase in alcohol consumption. Well, there's nothing wrong with enjoying a glass of wine or beer or even your favorite cocktail. How much is too much? And what are the health concerns when it comes to overindulging? To further discuss, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. Jay. Good morning. Well, let's start with a baseline. Let's start with what is normal. Can we put a, a number on how many alcoholic beverages per week average Canadians should be consuming uh, to be uh, you know, still healthy?
3: Yeah, there actually is guidelines that are uh, Canadian and that most provinces take, sort of called the Healthy Alcohol Consumption Guideline or Low-Risk Drinking, if you want to put it another term. And for those, for men, three drinks per day maximum four drinks on a special occasion, and 15 drinks per week maximum. For women, zero if they're pregnant or planning to get pregnant, two per day maximum, three drinks on a special occasion, and 10 drinks per week maximum. So those are what is stated, and most people would agree that sounds quite reasonable, until they're at a special occasion and clearly go through that quite easily which is fairly typical
0: or dr j we're you know sitting at home as we are right now we're stuck yeah. at home and people are depressed and and you know not sure of what's to come and and worried and and so perhaps drinking a little more so as a physician what are you concerned about most when you hear that people are, are drinking more well,
3: I think the initial news was people were just stockpiling, right? So they looked at what was being purchased and, wow, there was this huge upsurge of, of, of people buying alcohol because they knew they couldn't go out socially to drink. But I believe people are probably indulging more both uh, alcohol as well as cannabis as well as just cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Like, so all the all the habits, the bad habits have actually gotten worse and I am actually quite concerned. I mean, people... Um, and this is a mental health issue right people are much more concerned uh, anxious depressed they you know the the being locked down or the the threat of being locked down again has really fueled going to something for a calming effect and that unfortunately uh, sometimes is cannabis sometimes is alcohol for people
1: Got about 30 seconds left, Dr. Jay, but I think that some people might be thinking about Alcoholics Anonymous or these different specialty, you know, uh, institutions or organizations, but uh, this is something that anybody can bring up to their family doctor, right?
3: Oh, this is absolutely, you know, anyone who's dealing with them, healthcare professional, this is something to talk about. There are other ways to get rid of anxiety and improve your mood that doesn't, uh, you know, you don't have to go to alcohol, you don't have to go to cannabis to do that talk okay. about it. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Always the best route. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. J. Appreciate your time. Okay, you betcha. That is Dr. Ted Jablonski. He is our on-call family physician. You can look for him at peakmedicalgroup.ca. Coming up on eight twelve, and Jamie Cochran, who's a staff member with the Calgary Flames, is one of the team's top Movember fundraisers, though he can't participate in the usual way this time around. After suffering from chronic anxiety for most of his life, Jamie was later diagnosed with alopecia, has since been an avid advocate for supporting men's mental health issues. And Jamie joins us now. Morning, Jamie. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for speaking out. I know it's it, it can be very difficult and it, it's a, a tough topic to, to talk about when it's so personal, I'm sure. But this is what people need, right? This is what guys need to hear, particularly, I think. And that's what Movember is all about. So if you can tell us a little bit about your story.
4: Yeah, like for sure. Um, my whole life, I think I was kind of conditioned to hold things in and ruminate. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that um, I ended up having this reaction where, you know, my hair started disappearing and you're right. Like I can't, I can't grow a mustache. So I got to come up with other ways to participate in Movember and Movember ended up being um, the way for me to really speak openly about this. Um, and I guess I kind of really had no choice when I started losing my eyebrow and uh, hair in the back of my head, people started asking questions. and It was easier to speak openly about it and, um, and I guess if I hadn't started losing my hair in those weird places, I I wouldn't have done that.
1: So November seemed like kind of the right time. And, uh, you know, obviously when you talk about uh, something like alopecia well, and anxiety, not exclusive to men, but uh, not so much the focus. Men tend to keep these things inside. So you think it might have been different if this was even 10, 15 years ago?
4: I think so. Like the, the timing for me, I really started losing the hair in weird places at the end of October of, I guess it was 2018. And then I got an email come out about November and it, it talked about how, you know, they're trying to raise awareness for men's mental health. And they had a, a platform where you, instead of like growing a mustache, you could just go and like run 60 kilometers in a month or something like that. So I was like, you know what? This is, this is perfect. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fundraise by sharing my open story. People stopped stop bugging me about why my hair is not there. And I was able to, you know, connect the dots because the alopecia is caused by the chronic anxiety. And that's the piece I want to talk more about. And Movember made it really easy to speak openly about it.
0: And Jamie, what kind of response do you get from men who hear your story and, and, you know, are they kind of uh, on the same page? I, I just never, I didn't grow up being able to share my feelings and my emotions. I think
4: so. For for a lot of people that have kind of reached out and talked to me since the since then, like it starts off as uncomfortable. But when you're connecting with someone that um, is willing to be vulnerable and share their story, it's really easy for the other person to share the same same token. And I I think in all these cases, it, it starts off very natural, and then you start finding like this actually isn't so bad when you're with someone that you trust and. Generally, people saw the response for me was was really good. People respected it. Um, when I sent this out, like a couple of years ago, I thought I was going to raise like a couple thousand bucks or something. But all of a sudden, my emails start flooding in with people donating. It was like I had connected with people, and they, I think, really appreciated my openness. And that meant to me like this isn't something that you need to keep in. You should be talking openly about it, and people are going to like people near. Community and your social group—they're—they're going to rally around you.
1: Within the you know context you mentioned the openness and through openness uh, comes learning. I had thought before that alopecia was a genetic, maybe a a hereditary condition. I've I've never heard that it's due to anxiety. Do you think a lot of people, you know, are are in your case due to anxiety? A lot of people are surprised by this.
4: Yeah, possibly like. I didn't know it was either. I believe it can come out either way. Um, for me, when it started happening, it was a cue for me to go and, and talk to my doctor, and he started spitballing some ideas. And the potential anxiety thing really had resonated with me. I've always, like, seen uh, a mental health therapist slash coach type thing, like, throughout parts of my life just because I think it's really good for your own self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, so, you know, so anxiety was on my radar a little bit, to but to the degree that it was considered chronic, it would cause my brain to overheat and cause alopecia was a surprise to me.
0: Well, Jamie, as we push our way through this pandemic, I'm sure there are going to be a lot more people who have anxiety and related mental health issues. So it's really important we hear from you. If people want to get more information about you and maybe donate to your Movember campaign, how do they do that?
4: Uh, they can Google... Jamie Cochran, November, and it seems like I've got enough hits on that that it comes up on Google pretty quickly. Um, and if it's not just about me, like if people want to get involved with November, I'm sure everyone knows at least one person that is spamming them with their November page and their silly mustaches. Like, it all goes to the same place. So, you know, don't donate to those people and, and look for those people in their lives that are sharing their stories.
1: Good stuff. Thank you for your time this morning, Jamie.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: That is Jamie Cochran, a staff member with the Calgary Flames and Movember Fundraiser. You can find online at the the social address for Movember is at Movember.ca.
0: 909 now on your Monday morning Sue and Andy with you and uh, one teacher is creating COVID-19 inspired art here in Calgary documenting the number each day amid the pandemic and sharing her work on what she's doing at the school for her kids and for those who are following as well is teacher Kathy McClear, an art specialist and teacher at the Foundations for the Future South Middle School. Good morning Kathy. Good morning. I understand that you are actually uh, isolating this morning. Yeah, we, uh, this is my first time. <laughs> As a teacher, that's pretty impressive so far this year. Uh, yeah, but the hopefully kids has been great. Yeah, hopefully you're, you're feeling all right and your, your students are too. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Well, tell us about this project that you've, uh, you've embraced and, and are sharing with your kids. Um, I started it back on Friday the 13th
5: when all of this began, thinking it would be a neat project to do with my kids where every day we would draw the number of the day in a picture. And then it kind of took a while for everything to get going. And my numbers had already gotten so high. I I felt bad having the kids try to catch up. So it began to be something I just posted for the kids. And uh, they had fun. It was fun to watch them on their Etsy posts going, did you find this number? And did you find that number? And
1: Wow. Yeah. So give us an example, uh, you know, try to paint a picture, seeing as it's radio, on what one of these pictures might look at. like. So, for example, if you had day number 100, what sort of an image uh, would you uh, come up with?
5: 100, I did the Ogopogo. Oh,
1: okay. And so <laughs> it was created, so like that's part of the body of Ogopogo, or was it just Yeah, the hidden?
5: body okay. and then the reflection of it in the water to make the one and the zeros.
0: Are you inspiring the young ones? Are they kind of getting into it and trying to think of ways to do this as well? They help me brainstorm at school some days when I can't think of
5: something. They'll start shouting ideas at me or they'll <laughs> come in and say, can you draw this today? And...
1: Wow, incredible. So have you had you, you say that you kind of outpace the students, but are some students still following your lead and trying to incorporate these numbers?
5: No, it never actually ended up getting to be a project for the students. Uh, It started being, uh, uh, I'm going to count the days until I see you all again. And Mm -hmm. I had it up as a big bulletin board uh, when they came back to school. And it started a lot of conversations in the hallway, uh, you know, as kids were lined up to, to get into places. So it was really neat to listen to them talking and sharing what they'd been going through and watching them try to find things and talk about art. And then I was going to stop and everyone was like, no, you can't stop. (laughs) I look forward to this every day. So I've kept going. I've had other teachers uh, saying how much they look forward to it and that have been sharing it with their students, too. So.
0: Art is really, it's so key to our kids, and I. it just sounds like it's been a way to get, keep that conversation going, right, with these little ones who might not otherwise know how to express themselves.
5: Yeah, and I think it uh, it gives people a permission. Like, some of the things I've done have been kind of tongue-in-cheek funny. Like, I did a back-to-school for, I think it was day 96, and it was a, a kid in, like, a gas mask. And... You know, just some things like that are kind of tongue in cheek about what's going on, and and some just let you people know feelings, and some are just for
1: fun. <laughs> well, give us some sort of an idea. We want to give a tip of the hat to the teachers who are doing their thing in person. I know a lot of a lot of kids uh, chose the hub, the online learning hub. But to mm-hmm. those kids who've made their way back to the classroom, it's not a normal year. I think everybody understood that that's the way the setup would be. Not normal. But uh, tell us about, you know, how it feels to be back in school. I know you're off right now. It's a little juxtaposition. <laughs> uh, but what, what it means for the kids to be learning in person.
5: Um, it's, like you say, it's different. Uh, but the kids are resilient. They, they are flexible into everything. They've been great. Um, they have been very accepting of you know art on a cart and not being able to use all the same materials but they've been getting excited about new things that they get to try at the same time and that
0: their their kids are great they are they're wonderful and they uh, they make us kind of forget some of the bad stuff that's going on and just enjoy life right so thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing your art project with us and uh hopefully you uh stay healthy along with the kids too Thank you very much. You guys too. That's Kathy McClear, art specialist, teacher at the Foundations for the Future South Middle School.